Good morning. Welcome again to Morning Devotions. It's a brand new week. Most of you are going back to work now or you're still working from home. But as we've done our surveys, because our pastors work very hard, they all during this time, seven days a week, they've called over 27,000 people every three days, either by Zoom or Viber or whatever. But we've been staying very closely in contact with our people, not just to know the condition of the flocks, as the Bible says, to know how we can pray for you. Now, we have 13% of our people as of, that would be as of Saturday, that are still not back at work. There's still no work, no pay. We have 1% of our people that are, are laid off. I want us to pray for all of these people. We want full employment in Jesus' name. Father, we come to you, and we are a grateful people, grateful for your hand of blessing. When the world talks about recession and depression, our needs are not met according to the economies of this world. Our needs are met according to your riches and glory through Christ Jesus. And Father, just as you taught it back in the 80s and 90s, let this new young generation coming up learn that it doesn't matter what happens in the economy. It only matters what happens in heaven. Oh, Father, let them see your hand of provision. Let them see your hand of provision upon their mom and their dad. Let them see your hand of provision for their educations. Let them see you open opportunities, those that just graduated this year, Lord. They graduated and they could even go look for a job. They graduated and they could not even find that first job. Lord, open doors for them now. Let the favor of God and the favor of man rest upon them. And Father, good jobs and good salaries that are recession-proof, Lord, and that are COVID-19-proof. Father, we thank you for it. For our family members that have been laid off, Lord, I ask you for an even better job, a better job at a higher salary in Jesus' name. Father, we are very thankful and we are very grateful for your great hand of blessing. Lord, we stand in amazement. We stand in amazement. Oh, you are Jehovah Jireh. You are El Shaddai. You are the God who is more than enough. You are the God who provides with an abundance left over. We come and we say thank you, Lord. We say thank you. Now, Father, I ask again for our frontliners. They're still in the middle of a battle, Lord. Every day the city may be opening up, but Lord, they're still in the middle of a battle every day of their lives. Father, I ask in Jesus' name, you are faithful to your promises. Faithful are you who have promised. You promise that this thing shall not come near their dwelling place. As they give themselves to save the lives of family members of other families, I thank you, Father, that this thing shall not come near their family. They have so loved other families. I thank you for the love of God that surrounds their families like a great glory shield. You are the shield in their rear guard. I thank you that this thing shall not come near their dwelling place. And Lord, the angels of God shall guard them in their way. This plague shall not stick to them. I thank you that not one of our frontliners shall lose their life. And people will stand in amazement at the hospitals and recognize that the hand of God is upon these people. Lord, in your word, in times like this, you made a distinction between the righteous and the unrighteous. And you showed those who were really serving you. Father, in the name of Jesus, let your blessings and let your protection show the families that God is God, that Jesus is Lord, and that he is a part of our lives. Father, in these days when wealth transfers, let this be a time for our families to purchase their homes, to purchase their cars. Let this be a great time of the transfer of wealth. We thank you for it, Father. And we give you praise for it, Father. I pray for all of my brothers and sisters today that are sick in their bodies. They don't even want to go near a hospital, Lord. They don't even want to go near a doctor's office. But we come to the great physician. Oh, we come to you, the great physician. Stretch out your hand to heal, Lord. Stretch out your hand and lay it upon them right now in their homes. And bring healing, Father. Lord, I stood there yesterday and I stood there on Saturday and I watched the faithfulness of your people. They didn't bring just one envelope, Lord. They had set it aside week after week and they came and they honored you with your tithe 
They came and they honored you with the seed that you gave them to sow. And in the midst of the great congregation, they fulfilled their vows, as you said in your word. Now, Father, let hands of blessing. It's easy to bring the tithe, and it's easy to sow seed in the good times. But in these hard times, Father, they have walked in faithfulness. You promised in your word you'd show yourself faithful to those that are faithful. Now let your hand of faithfulness rest upon the tither. Lord, as you said in your word that other nations will see the blessings, Lord, let their families see the blessing. Father, in the name of Jesus, just let abundance flow to every home of every tither. I thank you for it, Lord. In Jesus' name, Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's go and have some time in worship.
Well, Saturday and Sunday were our first drive-in services. Don't think I did a very good job on Saturday. I think everybody else did, but I did better on Sunday. Had to get this figured out and how to keep the sweat out of my eyes and how to read my iPad with the sun blazing on it. And I preached my faith on Saturday and not sure I did very good. But Sunday, we seemed to find ourselves and the Lord was gracious and helped us. But I was so amazed at all of our people. Now, this Saturday and Sunday, we're going to do drive-in services again, all right? So if you're wanting to be a part of the drive-in service, it's at 7.30 on Saturday morning and 7.30 on Sunday morning at South Campus. They say, well, Pastor, why don't we do it at the other campuses? We don't have a parking lot that's set up for it. South Campus has this great big open parking lot, so cars can be running and the wind blows the smoke away, and you know it just it's it's just set up for it. It's perfect. We put the go truck right up next to the building. We have a little FM transmitter that that carries everything, so people to sit in their car, tune in their uh, radio to the FM station that we give you on that day, and it just works wonderfully. And everybody was honking to say amen and honking to say praise the Lord. It was it was beautiful. So if you wanted to be a part of that, please make sure that you talk to your district pastor or you talk to your campus pastor and say, listen, I need a slot reserved. Now, if we fill up those two slots, because especially Sunday was a little overfull, as we fill up those two slots, then we'll open another one on Sunday and maybe another one on Saturday. Now, all of that said, a couple of things. Remember, you can't get out of your car. Did I say you can't get out of your car? Did I say you can't get out of your car? So use the CR before you come, and we'll have a wonderful service together. It's a shorter service, one hour, because you know we know that you need to get home to the CRs and things. Uh, but it's it's a wonderful time. Just It's not perfect, but we're getting back toward the house of God. And the people were so cooperative with everything last Sunday. I was amazed. COP, I mean, we don't have to fuss or fight. Everybody just follows the rules. You're so disciplined. You're such a privilege to pastor. So again, if you want to be a part of it, get signed up. Now, again, all of that to say this. You know, it's going to be for a little while that our seniors aren't going to be spending a lot of time out in public and crowded places and those with pre-existing conditions. And you say, well, Pastor Samuel, I thought you believed in healing. You know, hey. We do. But at the same time, you know, we're, we're helping grow the faith of people. At the same time, we want people to feel comfortable. So for our seniors and those with pre-existing conditions, we may be doing these drive-in services for a while, at least on Saturday. Now, Sunday, we'll need the parking lot for the 730 service, but at least on Saturday, we'll do these drive-in services for a while where you can feel very comfortable. I'll be down there and, and preach, and, and we... You turn your flashes on if you want special prayer for your family, and one of us comes by and, and gets your prayer request and lays hands on the car and prays for the family. I mean, we, we do it like a regular service. It's just you're all inside a, a nice air-conditioned car. So thank you, and please, let's keep working on this. You say, well, Pastor, why are you going to do all that extra for the older people and for the people with pre-existing conditions? Because we don't leave anybody behind. And you know what? The seniors have walked with me for 25, 30, some of them 40 years. Uh, you know what? I'll do anything for our seniors. They walked with us the journey. They are where we are. They are the reason we are where we are today, all right? We would not be where we are if in without the faithfulness, without the faithfulness, the hard work of our seniors that have come before us. All right, we've got some of our kids, well, one kid and a couple of not quite so kids anymore. They've got Psalms 91 recitation for us. Psalm 91. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that weighs at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High who is my refuge. No evil shall be allowed to befall you, no plague come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you, to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. 
You will tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent. You will trample underfoot. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Psalm 91. All right, that I thought it was all the kids, but it was just one of the daughter of Pastor Tanya Moore from Alangapo. We've got a beautiful testimony for you now to encourage you. Hello, COP. I'm Sister Marin Ramos, Go Group Leader from North Campus. I would like to share to you the faithfulness of the Lord during this lockdown. Before ECQ, I am hitting goals on my business. I am a distributor of a branded vitamins from the United States. When ECQ was announced, I got a bit worried if I can still hit my goal since I can no longer personally meet my clients and my team. But instead of doubting myself, I keep on asking God to help me. And God's miraculous hand worked for me. I got bulk orders from my loyal clients and I received many referrals from them. People whom I haven't talked to for a long time reached out to me and ordered in bulk too. By promoting my products on social media, I get many new clients also. Because of this, I was able to hit my goals and I got pre-qualified to a free international travel incentive on 2021. God is so, so good. Amen. Well, we've got some tremendous passages to begin to read today, so let's get started. In Acts chapter 6, beginning with verse 17, signs and wonders were being done. Ananias and Sapphira had just died because they misrepresented their, their givings. And now in verse 17, but the high priest rose up. Now here's the same guy that fought Jesus every day of his life. But the high priest rose up and all who were with him, that is the party of the Sadducees. So the high priest, supported by the Sadducees, not the Pharisees, supported by the Sadducees, and filled with jealousy. Now, the same thing that killed Jesus. They were jealous of him. Even Pilate recognized that. So understand, these people don't change. How they treated Jesus is how they treated the apostles. So sometimes you just got to back up and go, now, okay, these are the same people with the same hearts. They had not changed. They arrested the apostles and put them in public prison. They didn't put them under Caiaphas' house where Jesus was. They put them in public prison. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, Go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. Now notice, the angel set them free and said, Now I have a message for you, because remember, angels are messengers of God. They were to go, they were to stand in the temple, and they were to speak all the words of this life. Wow. In other words, no backing down. Sometimes as Christians, we've got to learn that we don't need to keep backing down. Sometimes as Christians, because we're nice, and because we're forgiving, and because we're sweet, and because we're kind, we, we keep backing up from bullies in life. And sometimes you just got to stop backing up from the bullies in life, all right? He said, go. Stand in the temple and speak to the people. He said, hey, the people need this message, so don't, don't let the bullies stop the message. All the words of this life. And when they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. Now notice, immediate obedience. They did not wait until lunch. They did not wait until the, the third hour, which would be nine o'clock. They went straight in at daybreak. Now, right in your Bible, right next to that, immediate obedience. When God speaks to you something, you immediately obey. Now, when the high priest came, he got up a little later. When the high priest came and those who were with him, they called together the council and all the senate of the people of Israel, the Sanhedrin, and sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came, they did not find them in the prison. So they returned and reported, we found the prison securely locked and the guards standing at the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. Now, when the captain of the temple and the chief priests heard these words, they were greatly perplexed about them, wondering what this would come to. And someone came and told them, look, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple. I like this. And teaching the people. In other words, hey, we're not afraid of you. <laughs> we're, not, 
we're not here to cause a fight, but we're not afraid of you. We're not here to have a fight, but we're still going to preach the gospel. But the captain with the temple, with, with the officers, the captain with the officers went and brought them, but not by force, for they were afraid they would be stoned by the people. <laughs> See, the people loved the apostles, just like the people loved Jesus. And so when the captain came and the officers came, they, they politely requested them to accompany them to the Sanhedrin, but it was not done by force. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council. And the high priest questioned them, saying, We strictly charge you not to teach in this name. Yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching. Now that, that is our goal, brothers and sisters. That is our goal, to fill Manila with our teaching, to fill Manila with the Word of God. You know, some of you, you just need to keep passing things on, not, not slogans, but words of God. Fill this city with the Word of God. And you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. <laughs> but Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed. Notice how Peter was always, you killed him. Whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. Now remember, this tree thing is very important because cursed is he who hangs on a tree. He didn't just die on a stake in the, in the ground. He died on a tree. He was hung on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior. Now, there's Jesus, leader and savior. Another translation says, the one who goes before us and savior. To give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. Now, that's beautiful. Repentance is a gift. Now, <laughs> that means, and forgiveness is a gift. But now, let me just elaborate on that a minute. Have you ever been doing something that you know was wrong, but you were doing it anyway? And you liked it. Oh, no, come on. You all know what I'm talking about. You were doing something that you know was wrong, and you kept doing it because you liked it. How do you repent? God gives you repentance. Now, if you're listening to me this morning and there's one of those sins in your life that you just keep doing because you like it and you know it's wrong, why don't you spend time today beginning to pray, Lord, would you give me the gift of repentance? God will give repentance into your heart. God will change your heart. To give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. So repentance and forgiveness is a gift. And we are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. Now notice, the Holy Spirit is not given to disobedience. The Holy Spirit is given to obedience. When they heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill him. Kill them. Why? <laughs> they didn't like the message. You see, the Word of God will either make you mad or it will make you glad, but it will never hit you neutral. These people, because they were rejecting the message, it made them mad. You know, sometimes when I preach, I just watch people's faces change. And some people just start to smile. And some people just get, you watch their face get angrier and angrier and angrier and angrier and angrier. And you sit there and you go, what in the world am I saying that's making them so mad? I'm just teaching the Bible verse by verse, line upon line. But truth either makes you mad or makes you glad. They were enraged and wanted to kill them. But a Pharisee in the council named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, held in honor by all the people. And notice, this is not a Sadducee who stood with the priests, chief priests. This is a Pharisee. Stood up and gave orders to put the men outside for a little while. He said, let's, let's have a private conversation here for a few minutes. And he said to them, men of Israel, take care what you are about to do with these men. For before these days, Thutius rose up, claiming to be somebody, and a number of men, about 400, joined him. He was killed, and all who followed him were dispersed, and came to nothing. And after Judas the Galilean rose up in the days of the census, and drew away some people after him, and he to perish. So, you know, at the time that Jesus was born, there was a guy that rose up and caused trouble. At the time of the census, when Jesus was born. 
and he too perished. And all who followed him were scattered. Now you can understand how that one happened because of the great star in the sky. So in the present case, I tell you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or if this taking is of, undertaking is of men, it will fall. It will fail. Things that are birthed in the heart of men always fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. So they took this advice. And when they had called in the apostles, they beat them. <laughs> okay, we're, we're not going to oppose these men, but we are going to give them a good beating. Okay, <laughs> I just I laugh. They beat them. Now, for what reason? For what reason? They beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Then they left the presence of the council. So they left the same stone chamber, the, the, the meeting room of the uh, Sanhedrin court that Jesus had been condemned to death in. They left this place. Re and they'd never been in this place before, right? This, this would have been their first time in this very special place. <laughs> and they left it, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. Now, that's something every pastor at some point has to be willing to accept. You will suffer dishonor for the name of Jesus. You will suffer it. And young pastor, if you're listening to me today, because I know there's a lot of pastors that, that listen to this every morning, you're going to have to just understand you're going to suffer dishonor for the name. And when you do, rejoice. You have been counted worthy to suffer dishonor with the name. <laughs> it's not a thing to be ashamed of. It's a thing to be rejoicing over. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. Now, this is something all, all pastors and all church leaders just had to get a hold of. We do not just preach in the house of God. We also preach house to house. And it needs to be happening every day. Every day. They had daily services in the temple, and they were then out preaching every day, house to house. So these apostles were preaching twice a day. Ha, ha, ha. Oh, they were preaching twice a day. These are the days of revival. Oh, brothers and sisters, the, this idea of Sunday morning church needs to go away. This idea of pastors only standing in the pulpit in an event center and the people gathered again, it needs to go away. Yes, we need the big, the big, the big house of God where the whole family can gather together, ancestral homes, so to speak, in our dialect. But at the same time, the gospel must be preached by the men and women of God, by the apostles, house to house. We do not just delegate the house to house preaching. We also are preaching the gospel house to house. All right, so let's open up our hearts and spend some more time in worship.
First Kings chapter 18. Now, in chapter 17, Elijah the prophet has prophesied the drought. We've seen the beautiful story of the widow of Zarephath. We've seen Elijah raising the widow's son from the dead. And now we get to chapter 18. And after many days, the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, now there's three years of drought now, saying, go show yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the earth. Now, Mason, he's been hiding from Ahab, who's been trying to kill him for three years, and God said, go show yourself to him. Excuse me, but you know what? Elijah never even questioned it. He just obeyed. So Elijah went to show himself to Ahab. Again, he just, he just obeyed. Now the famine was severe in Samaria, and Ahab called Obadiah, who was over the household. Now Obadiah feared the Lord greatly, so this man who took care of the home of King Ahab, he was like in charge of all the family affairs, he was a man who feared God. And when Jezebel cut off the prophets of the Lord, Obadiah took a hundred prophets and hid them by fifties in a cave and fed them with bread and water. And Ahab said to Obadiah, Go through the land to all the springs of water and to all the valleys. Perhaps we may find grass and save the horses and mules alive and not lose some of the animals. Now that's how bad it was. After three years of famine, there was not any grass anywhere. There was nothing green anywhere. Now, for some of you who have been with us in Israel, you can't even imagine that. But remember, we always go in February, right at the end of the rainy season. Yes, we get a better price on the hotels, and that's why we go. But we also go then, because I've been at other times of the year. When we go at the end of the rainy season, it is the most beautiful time of the year in Israel. All the fill, even the hills that you go back later that are just sand dunes, even they are covered with grass and beautiful little red poppies. And Israel is just beautiful. But I've also been there in August, September, when it's like 52 down in the, the Jordan Valley by the Dead Sea. And there is nothing alive. You don't see green anything. Now, take that and multiply it by 100. Imagine three years of no rain in Israel. Everything is brown. Everything is dead. The animals have nothing to eat. So they divided the land between them to pass on, to pass through it. Ahab went in one direction by himself, and Obadiah went in another direction by himself. And as Obadiah was on the way, behold, Elijah met him. And Obadiah recognized him and fell on his face and said, Is it you, my lord, Elijah? And he answered him, It is I. Go and tell your lord, behold, Elijah is here. And he said, How have I sinned that you would tell me to, to give your servant into the hand of King Ahab to kill me? As the Lord your God lives, there is no nation or kingdom where my lord has not sent to seek you. And when they would say he is not here, he would take an oath of the kingdom or nation that they had not found you. And now you say, go, tell my, your Lord, behold, Elijah is here. As soon as I have gone from you, the spirit of the Lord will carry you. I know not where. And so when I come and tell Ahab and he cannot find you, he will kill me. Although I, your servant, have feared the Lord from my youth. Has it not been told by Lord? what I did when Jezebel killed the prophets of the Lord, how I hid a hundred men of the Lord's prophets by fifties in a cave and fed them with bread and water. And now you say, go tell your Lord, behold, Elijah is here. He will kill me. And Elijah said, as the Lord of hosts lives, of whom I stand, I will surely show myself to him today. Now that's integrity. And Obaso Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. Now, Obadiah believed Elijah. See, there's no need to fear when a man of integrity speaks. There's a truth. When Ahab saw Elijah, Ahab said to him, Is it you, you troubler of Israel? <laughs> and he answered, I have not troubled Israel. It's amazing how people always want to put on you what they have done. Let me say that again. It is amazing how people want to put on you what they have done. It's called deflection. 
I have not troubled Israel, but you have, and your father's house, because you have abandoned the commands of the Lord and have followed the Baals. Now therefore, send and gather to Israel to me at Mount Carmel, and the 450 prophets of Baal, and the 400 prophets of Ashereth, who eat at Jezebel's table. These false prophets were all well supported by Jezebel and Ahab. Verse 20. So Ahab sent to all the people of Israel and gathered the prophets together at Mount Carmel. And Elijah came near to all the people and said, How long will you go limping between two different opinions? How long? See, folks, at some point, people got to make a choice. How long will you go limping between two opinions? At some point, you got to make a choice. If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people did not answer him a word. No, we're not going to make a choice. I watch people act like this. Not going to choose. Then Elijah said to the people, I, even I only, am left a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. Let two bulls be given to us, and let them choose one bull for themselves, and cut it in pieces, and lay it on the wood, and put no fire on it. And I will prepare the other bull, and lay it on the wood, and prepare no fire to it. And you call upon the name of your God, and I will call upon the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. And all the people answered, it is well spoken. Then Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, Choose for yourselves one of the bulls, and prepare it first, for you are many, and call on the name of your God, but put no fire on it. And they took the bull that was given to them, and they prepared it, and called upon the name of Baal from morning until noon, saying, Oh, Baal, answer us. And there was no voice, and no one answered. And they limped around the altar they made. <laughs> and they limped. There was no strength. They limped around the altar they had made. And at noon, Elijah mocked them, saying, Cry aloud, for he is a god. Either he is missing or he's relieving himself. So see I. Perhaps he is on a journey. Perhaps he is asleep and must be awakened. And they cried aloud and cut themselves after their custom with swords and lances, until the blood gushed out upon them. Now, folks, young people, listen to me. Part of demon worship is cutting. Now, young people, please, if you're a cutter, you need to come to one of us as pastors and let us lay hands on you and break these things over your life. This is a form of demonic worship. Your body is the temple of God. You are not to destroy the temple of God, but demon worship. It wants to destroy your body. You were created in the image of God. Satan hates the human body. They wanted to cut and mutilate. Young people, if you are involved in cutting, maybe you hide it from your family and you hide it from everybody else. You need to understand, this is a form of demonic worship. This is a form of idolatry. And you need to come and let us lay hands on you and break the power of this thing off of your life. Come, any, any service. I mean, or, or come right now during House of Prayer, during the, the Fortress 91 prayer times. You'll be there all by yourself, probably, just you and a couple of the pastors. And you can just walk up and... I'm, I'm a cutter. Would you pray for me? I don't want to cut myself anymore. My body's the temple of God. And let them break this thing off of your life in Jesus' name. This cutting thing is not, it's not some little thing. It's, it's demonic worship. And they cried aloud and cut themselves after their custom with swords and lances until the blood gushed out upon them. And at midday, as midday passed, they raved on until the time of the offering of the oblation. But there was no voice, no one answered, no one paid attention. <laughs> now forgive me, worshiping false gods, worshiping idols, no voice, no one answered, no one pays attention. If you think demons are listening to you, 
you're stupid. I mean, I know that's a harsh word, but you know what? That's a Bible word. People who really believe that demons are listening to them are stupid. No voice, no one answered, no one pays attention. Demons aren't interested in helping you. Demons aren't interested in doing anything for you. They're interested in taking. They they only come to steal, kill, and destroy. But I like that. No one pays attention. When you're watching people do idol worship, no one pays attention. The, 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 the altars of Satan are not watched over by Satan. The altars of Satan are not observed closely. He's not watching over them to see the prayers that he could answer. Are you kidding? He only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. No one pays attention. See, we get this idea that Satan's like God and that Satan listens to their prayers and answers them. Are you kidding? No one pays attention. Then Elijah said to all the people, come near me. Now there's the first step of people getting back right with God. You draw near to a man of God who can teach you. That's the first step. That's why the devil always wants to take you away from men and women of God. That's why the devil always wants to separate you from men and women of God. Because the first step in coming back to God when you've gotten your life screwed up, come near me. Elijah said, I'm going to talk to you about God. And all the people came near to him. Now notice again the words, near to him. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been thrown down. He's showing them, we need to get back to worshiping God. He repaired the altar. Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be your name. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. And he made a trench around the altar, as great as could contain two seas of seed. And he put wood in order, and cut the bull in pieces, and laid it on the wood. And he said, fill four jars with water, and pour it on the burnt offering and on the wood. And he said, do it a second time. And they did it a second time. And he said, do it a third time. And they did it a third time. And the water ran around the altar and filled the trench also with water. Now, why was this water? Was he just trying to make it more difficult for God to do a miracle? No. What were they asking God for? The breaking of a drought. What did he ask them to sow? And remember, if you've been with us to Mount Carmel, it's a long way up, and they had to go down and fill smaller pots and then big pots with water. This was a lot of hard work, and water was so precious. Remember, there's no grass growing. Water was precious. They had to give what was precious. The pouring of this water on the altar had nothing to do with making it more difficult for a miracle. Excuse me. It had nothing to do with God showing that he was so powerful he could even make wet wood burn. This was about the people sowing water because they needed water. It's a great truth that you need to remember. And at the time of the offering of the oblation, excuse me, and he said, fill four jars with water, pour it on the burnt offering on the wood. And he said, do it a second time. And they did it a second time. He said, do it a third time. And they did it a third time. And the water ran around the altar and filled the trench also with water. God, we're bringing you not just a burnt offering, we're bringing you an offering of water because that's what we need. And at that time of the offering of the oblation, Elijah the prophet came near and said, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are the God in Israel and that I am your servant and that I have done these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord. Answer me that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God and that the people have turned and that you have turned their hearts back. Now notice, God is not just a God of miracles. God is a God of repentance. God is turning hearts back. Now, sometimes when people have gotten so stubborn, and they won't make a decision, and they're, they're being led in wrong ways by leaders that are leading them into the demonic, and things that are just completely wrong, and they won't make a decision, God says, I'm not only a God of miracles, I'm a God who turns hearts back. I like that. See, with God, there's always hope that hearts will turn back. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. 
And Elijah said to them, seize the prophets of Baal. Let not one of them escape. And they seized them. And Elijah brought them down to the brook at Kishon, and he slaughtered them there. Wow. Verse 41. And Elijah said to Ahab, go up, eat and drink, for is the, there is the sound of the rushing of rain. Wow. There was no clouds in the sky yet, but they had made the offering of water. <laughs> oh, my friends, that's faith. He knew there would be rain because they had offered, they had given that which was precious. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Mount Carmel. Now, when you come with us, you, it's a nice place up there. And he bowed himself down on the earth, and he put his face between his knees, and he said to his servant, go up now and look toward the sea. Now, if you stand up there with us, you can see the, the sea. You can see the Mediterranean right out there. I mean, it's just, it's just beautiful. On a clear day, you can see all the way down to Caesarea. You can see all the way down to where we make our first stop on the Israel tour. He said, go now and look toward the sea. And he went up and looked and said, there's nothing. And he said, go again, seven times. There's persistent prayer. There's persistent faith. When people tell you to only pray one time, I'm sorry, that's a false doctrine. How long do you pray, pastor, until I see the answer? And then I start giving thanks. Seven times. And behold, a little cloud like a man's hand was rising from the sea. You don't need to see a lot to know that it's coming. They just saw little. And he said, go up and say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down lest the rain stop you. Because, I mean, it's a long way down off that mountain back to where he had to be. And in a little while, the heavens grew black with clouds and wind, and there was a great rain. And Ahab rode and went to Jezreel. And the hand of the Lord was on Elijah, and he gathered up his garment. He pulled up the, the skirts of his garment in his hands. And he ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. Chapter 19, verse 1. Now notice, Ahab was there. Ahab saw all of this. Ahab saw nothing happened when the prophets of Baal prayed. Ahab saw, he saw the fire come down and consume the sacrifice and accept the water gift. He saw Elijah go and kneel and pray. He saw the answer to the prayer of the rainstorm. So chapter 19, verse 1. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. He told, him, told her everything. And how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So may the God do to me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. She said, I'm going to kill him. She didn't see the miracle. Then he was afraid. Elijah was afraid. This, this incredible man of faith that has just seen all of this, he's afraid. And he rose and ran for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah. And he left his servant there. Now, why did he leave his servant there? I don't know. I put a why in my Bible. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat under a broom tree. And he asked that he might die, saying, it is enough now, Lord, take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. I think he's a little embarrassed by his fear. He's ashamed of his fear. He lay down and slept under the broom tree, and behold, an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. And he, and he looked, and behold, there was at his head a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. And he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, for the journey is too great for you. And he arose and ate and drank, and went in the strength of that food forty days and forty nights to Horeb, the mount of God. He went to the throne of God at Mount Horeb. Supernatural food cooked by an angel <laughs> on hot stones and water, food and water provided by God. And that supernatural food sustained him for 40 days. 
but God had heard his discouragement. Then he came to a cave and lodged in it, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? Oh God, you told me to come. Yeah, but what are you doing here? He said, God, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant and thrown down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. Now, forgive me, but Elijah, remember, your friend had hid all those prophets, so all the prophets aren't dead. See, discouragement causes you to see the situation worse than it is. Let me say that again. Discouragement causes you to see the situation worse than it is. Now, let me back up about discouragement. Did you notice God's simple cure up here? Sleep, eat, drink. Sleep, eat, drink. Sometimes you just feel better when you've had a good meal, drunk some good water, had a good night's sleep. Now he says, listen, you're, you're, you're discouraged because your discouragement is making you see things, see the situation much worse than it is. I've still got a lot of prophets around. And behold, the Lord passed by. He said, go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. Now, can you imagine this? God just, I'm going to come to my prophet and encourage him. I'm going to have my presence pass by. And a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, What are you doing here, Elisha? Second opportunity to answer. Elijah does not answer any differently. Have I been, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I, only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. Same answer. He's having this incredible encounter with the sovereign God. God gives him a second opportunity to answer with a different answer. And the Lord said, go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, you shall anoint Hazal to be king over Syria. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, you shall anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, son of Shaphat, of Abel-Malaha, you shall anoint to be prophet in your place. And the one who escapes from the sword of Hazal shall Jehu put to death. And the one who escapes from the sword of Jehu shall Elijah put to death. Yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel, all the knees of those who have not bowed to Baal and every mouth that has not kissed him. God always has a remnant. But now in one sense, this is very sad to me. Because basically, he's given Elijah an opportunity to break out of his discouragement. And he doesn't. And see, God's not into hurting people. You've you got to get a hold of that. He anoints his successor. Your time for ministry is over now. Anoint your successor. God heard him. Now, God is not punishing him. God is not saying, you're not worthy to be my prophet anymore because you were afraid and because you got discouraged. But God just says, Elijah, you can't take it anymore. I'm not going to hurt you. So go ahead. I've got some work for you to finish up and then anoint your successor. There are times that, forgive me, God will let you quit. Let me say that again. I hit my microphone. There are times that God will let you quit. Not because he's mad at you, but because he doesn't want to hurt you. God is not a user. You've you got to get that on in your insides. I, I sit down with pastors sometimes, and they want to quit. And I, I go through this passage with them and show them how God gave them two opportunities to speak differently. But because discouragement and fear had so filled his heart, God said, okay, I'll let you back up. I've known men that were so hurt and so discouraged by what they went through the ministry. God let them back up. That's fine. God is not a user. God doesn't hurt people. He wasn't punishing them. He just let them back up. 
anoint your successor in your place. Verse 19, so he departed from there and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen in front of him. Now, that's a strong man. To control 12 oxen? Elisha is a strong man. And he was with the 12th. Elijah passed by him and cast his cloak upon him. Now, that's something I want to go study. So I make a note in my Bible to find this act. What does it mean that he cast his cloak upon him? And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Let me kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow you. And he said to him, Go back again, for what what have I done to you? He said, Yeah, you don't want to follow? That's fine. Don't follow. And he returned from following him. Now notice what Elisha does. He took the yoke of oxen, sacrificed them, and boiled their flesh with the yokes of the oxen, and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he arose and went after Elijah and assisted him. Now, you say, well, pastor, over in the New Testament, they said, let us go kiss our father goodbye, and Jesus said, no, no, you don't, you don't turn back. But here there's something different happening. Here's a man that's coming from nothing, and all of a sudden he's surprised. Like Paul was surprised with the call of God that came upon his life. This is not a, a, a heart of vacillation. Look at what he did. He burned his past as a sacrifice. Now, anytime you see a man offering his past as a sacrifice, burning the bridges to the past by giving up their past, isn't this what Jesus asked the rich young ruler to do? Sell what you have, give it to the poor, then come follow me. Give up your past. Give your past to God. Sow your past to receive your future. There's a great truth there. All right, we'll see you tonight, 7 o'clock.